Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. In this week's episode, we sit down with Andrew Roger, co-founder and CEO of RecMate, a Australian-based systems integrator that not only helps you get Bullhorn or your ATS up and running, but will also help you make sure that your workflows are correct to better drive growth. And they'll also make sure that you just get a better use of your tech stack. So if you're a growing firm who threw together some things and now want to make sure that it's working like a well-oiled machine, Andrew and RecMate are the people you call. In this conversation, we talk about RecMate's history and how Andrew got started in this very unique but really needed role. We talk about what it means to help people make better use of their technology stack. And personally, for me, RecMate and what they do is one of the most needed things in our industry because making good use of your spend is definitely undervalued and not focused on enough from a very high level. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Checker. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. All right, guys. Andrew, thank you so much for being on, man. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, Rob. How are you going? You're a part of the world. I'm out of the sunny Sydney in Australia. It's our winter, which is a very mild 15 to 20 degrees Celsius. Pretty average in comparison to your cold winters. By the way, Celsius means nothing to anyone in the United States. So, sorry. <laughs> Unless they came from that. Europe, we're not even going to. I know it's warm. I've been around there. Andrew is coming from Sydney. I'm actually in Fort Lauderdale. It is sunny and awesome out here as well. It's a little hotter and humid than probably yours. I wish we were in winter in Florida because that's when it's nice. But Andrew, let's get cracking, man. I love what you do for the staffing industry in Australia. And I just kind of obviously want to share it with my audience in the US and Europe if they're not aware that this exists. So give us a two-minute elevator pitch on Andrew and on RecMate. Yeah, thanks, Rob. For my sins, as I always say, in a previous life, I've been in the recruitment or staffing industry for over 20 years now. So I've tried several times to escape, as I think many of us have, but the draw and the magnetism of the industry has always kept me in its core. So it's a lot of fun, really. I love it. I founded RecMate with a business partner just under three years ago, and we help our customers maximize their profit through their systems, process, people, and practices. So we've got a RecMate health check program that we put our customers through to identify what their business goals are and find out how that divide is between their business goals in the recruitment tech, which is often quite massive. So we were just chatting and uh, you know, I use the analogy with most recruitment platforms they use as a bit of a fancy Rolodex or a contact book. Overpriced Rolodex. Very overpriced. They're paying a lot of good money for it. You know, unfortunately, it's often left there to die. So we try and bring self life back into that. Really core to our process is making sure businesses got a really good workflow from that prospecting through to the post-placement care that that might do after they make a, a sale and a placement into one of their customers. Data is a huge part of what we do. So we love data and maximizing data-driven decisions. Awesome. And getting good data into the ATS lease to those good decisions. So just kind of recap what that does. So basically, what Andrew's job is, is to make sure that your internal processes are clear-cut and driving towards outcomes and goals that you have set. You can imagine, and I talk about this a lot in my Automation Weekly episodes, is that people buy an ATS and then they start using the ATS. And they might be like, Andrew and I started a company. And then we commit a bunch of data sins by not laying out procedures and policies and workflows about when you add a note, when you change a status, who can change a status, like all of this stuff. And so what RecMate does is help those companies that are now scaling and it's not you and your buddy in the office anymore. Now you're trying to grow to be more efficient or even you and your buddy can benefit from it. But it's a tremendously valuable thing, guys. So really excited to have him. Maybe let's start with what sins you committed and your background and like how you learned that this was such an important thing and maybe like your first customer and how that came about. Because I feel like this came about organically, right? Like you didn't set out to do RecMate. You kind of realized that this was a gap. 
Yeah, I did. From my university days, I did a Bachelor of Commerce Marketing and I was looking for my first job. Went to a staffing firm, a couple of them actually, and I was going down that process and they had me lined up for a marketing intern role with a telco company in Sydney, Australia. At the same time, they said, hey, have you ever thought about a life in recruitment? And I said, well, I didn't actually know the staffing or the recruitment industry existed until I started looking for a job, right? So no, was the answer. But they wooed me and wined and dined me. And after about seven or eight interviews later, I had an offer to join their graduate program and spent a couple of years with one firm and then moved across to another firm. Hands-on IT recruitment was my speciality. And I, I stuck with that second firm for just under 17 years. Wasn't hands-on recruiting for that 17 years, but certainly have cut my teeth at the desk, which I find really, really powerful to talk with customers about because we've actually done the job that we're helping to preach and convert them to a better way that's going to make their life less crazy, less chaotic, and more powerful making decisions with the data sets. During that period of working with different companies, we found that there was a huge gap in utilization of the recruitment tech platforms that they had in front of them. I was on a project with a startup and they grew from zero to 90 heads in a matter of six months. So it was a massive rapid growth. So they were throwing lots of money from Seed Capital, left, front, center, and we helped smooth out their recruitment systems and processes. And their CEO said to me, Andrew, why are you just doing this for me? Why don't you do that for the market? And that really spurred that idea that we born RecMate from. And you know, today we're helping out at any one time, five to 10 different businesses working on go-live projects with companies like Bullhorn. Or companies, as you mentioned, Rob, that have just realized, it's usually that sort of two to three year mark, we find that they just realize that they need a better way. They're at that scaling point where they, you know, going a bit crazy with managing their teams, managing the workflow, managing their client base, and they just realize they need a foundation piece from which they can keep building their recruitment empire. And that's what we like to think we help them with. Okay, a couple of things there. Number one, there was a company that went from zero to 90 heads, like in a recruitment firm in six months. Yes, it was. That must have been painful. Oh, yeah. Glad they had someone to come help you cut them. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Yeah, well, sit down, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, right. Like, imagine the leaders of that company. They're like, I don't know what to do with 10 people. Now I got 90. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I'm sure they were very grateful to get help and get organized. And was it an investor base? It sounds like Sidco was that a public service? Yeah, it was privately funded. So they went around with family friend funding first, and they had small investor funding, but all still privately held. And they sort of rocketed up to that 90 heads. They came back down to around 70, and they've settled around 50. And I think they've dropped a little bit during the current economic situation that we're in. Yeah, it's not like a fair balance there. That's so interesting. I was going to ask, did the investors come to you guys and be like, hey, can you help them? Did they reach out for help directly, the leadership? Yeah. Really interesting side story. I've got three kids, one of which is a daughter, and she was in year three at the time. And I was picking her up from school one afternoon. I got chatting with one of the guys, one of the other fathers, and saw him a couple of times over several weeks. Every Thursday, I make sure I pick my kids up from school. Got chatting with him, and then he and I got talking about work, right? We hadn't talked work at all. And he was from the staffing industry. I was in the staffing industry and found out a little bit more. And he headed up one of the multinationals, Australia Pacific region. And he'd just left. So he was in a setup phase. He was in his six months gardening leave period and he was doing foundation pieces. And that sort of unfolded our relationship over coffees and chats around tech and how to best manage practice and process. And when I told him that I was leaving my current company, he said, hey, we need to have a chat. Within three days, he'd had it off on the table for me to do some project work with him. It was a really good, interesting ride. And that's where I met my business partner. And that's where RecMate was born. So really exciting. Love it. Love the origin story. Painting, recruiting people as superheroes, right? Or anyone is a superhero. <laughs> we need more superheroes who wear blazers and t-shirts under them. Like, by the way, that's my go-to at a conference too. So, Oh, yeah. This is my conference go-to. Andrew has got a Paisley pocket square, a dark blue navy checkered jacket on, a black t-shirt with the RecMate symbol on. So obviously, if you're listening to it, now you know. Awesome, man. That's so cool. You guys can hear it. Like You can picture if you're a staffing, a small staffing company growing, 
or you remember that pain if you're a larger staffing company. And sometimes you just you have all these marketing companies that do consulting, right? Like a lot of HubSpot partners, right? If you're familiar with HubSpot marketing engine, they just consult. They're like, hey, you should do this, or like you should do this with your CRM, and then you should do this with your marketing. They're like very well rounded. So you need that. And we really need that in the staffing space. And number one, I'm surprised that more don't exist. I love talking about this. And I frequently and kind of get back to the conversation, Andrew. I was gonna say this to you is I frequently had calls with Billy Davis, the head of implementation at Herefish last year, where I'd be like, hey, Bill, I sold this deal 35, 40 days ago. Where are they in implementation? Are they live? Because like, obviously, we would tell people they would get live in 30 days. And Billy would say, Rob, got on our first call. We kicked off the project. And they realized they had no idea about their workflows. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where you call Andrew, right? Like, You got to have someone to call. How often do you find that? What is a typical kickoff with a project? Let's make people feel better about themselves. Yeah, that's every business that I walk into that's got anything to do with the staffing industry is exactly like that. They're really inspirational people generally. Fantastic, lovely people, lovely humans, really good sales professionals. They've grown from another organization generally. They've gone out by themselves. They're generally maturing. They've got a team of five to 10 sometimes when I meet with them. And then they go, oh, what are we doing now? (laughs) And then when you start unpeeling the layers of their system, you do realize there's no structure in there. They're not collecting some really critical data that's going to make their life easier, make more money out of it. So it's really rewarding. And I'll never forget, we did one training session with a team of about 15 of their recruiters and account managers, and they had a hugely convoluted way to track their KPIs previously to us coming in and helping them out. We got a standing ovation at the end of that session because we were making their life so much easier, but getting so much more rich data from the activities that they were putting in there. So to your point earlier, the value that you can have by recording certain things, and it's not much, typically from from picking up a job to placing somebody and looking after them during that first three or four month period, whatever your business standard is, there's usually six or seven pieces of data along that pathway. If you're doing it right, it's an easy process to track, but it's that understanding of the why and we train that. We make sure the teams understand why it's important for them to do this and what's in it for them, really important, how they're going to earn more commission out of it. So Yeah, the ROI. Yeah, when you've got the why and leading to dollars, the motivation starts happening with teams generally. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I totally agree. And for my days at Bullhorn, I think six or seven required fields are kind of like the best practice, maybe eight at most, they would say. If you're going to create a candidate record, you should not be asking a recruiter or salesperson right, to record more than eight fields because number one, they're not going to do it. Not going to happen. And number two, you're going to end up with bad data. Is there like a certain... So like, let's say like a candidate record, right? Is there anything that you would see like commonly missing from marketing perspective, right? To putting your marketing hat on and be like, hey, you need this for marketing. Besides like an email address, which it feels like obvious. Yeah, absolutely. The more you can have some metadata around that individual, so skill codes or their availability or what industry sector that they're really good to be placed into, what their core things that you can market them to your customer base for makes your life as a recruiter. And that contact point, much easier to maintain because there are so many tools. I mean, you mentioned Herefish and I absolutely love Herefish. It can just make everyone's life so much easier in the bullhorn world for keeping records up to date doing stuff as humans don't really do well, i.e. adding information in from other data points what you've added at once. The golden chalice for the recruitment staffing industry is to add something once and then it moves out to the other data points. Everywhere else. Yeah. Downstream, upstream. Yeah, absolutely. So to answer your point, data available so you can track when they're coming up next to be placed, really important one, and the status if they're currently looking or if they're happy where they are. Just those two pieces plus I always love to put a resume update date in there when we last got a copy of their CV. So those three things, you can you know, do a lot of searching. You, know, you can do your text-based search, your skill code search, and then prioritize the list there by those three categories. And you can start at the top of the most ripest fruit, if you like, ready to um, harvest to your customer base. Yeah, I had a customer in the UK who basically would always 
have the most recent resume, like they have their list customized, their candidate list, so that the person with the most recent data available would always filter to the top of a search. Like they had this, they had this saved search and it was just always constantly like changing. And it actually became a, an issue for, it didn't really become an issue, but it became like a fun challenge to figure out how to automate stuff around that for them. But I think that's kind of to your point, right? Like data available, last time you got a resume from them, because it's kind of like the last time you got a contract from them. But it also talks about the last time they were invested in the process with you, right? Because you got something. Maybe the source is important because if you pulled that from a monster career builder, indeed, whatever, like it may not as be as valuable as them sending it to you from an intent perspective, but maybe because they're on the board, there was intent. And then the metadata, right? Like their skills. You know, you say metadata and people without a marketing hat don't really understand that. And maybe this is a good question to ask you, right? Like we got to get marketing and sales tighter aligned, right? There's something that people in the Salesforce ecosystem always talk about. And I'm like, I kind of do both. So I'm very aligned with both teams. I have meetings with both teams every week. Last year, everyone at Herefish was either marketing and sales and development. Like there was not a human being that didn't touch marketing in some way. So like we were all really savvy. It was cool to see. Maybe talk about that. Like what do you see? Like how do you power that stuff from a workflow perspective maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Capturing data at the outset is really important. So as much as you can, get the candidate to do as much as you can, but not too much, right? Because some internal, particularly internal staffing companies or businesses have too much information for candidates to fill out and you have huge drop-off issues there. Yeah, conversions. Yeah, if you get them to fill out your database from an application form perspective, it's not going to happen. Never. Well, you have the quick apply and then you got to get the big apply. Like You get to ask more when you're going to give more. Yeah. It's just like anything in sales. Correct. And with the right tech, you can ask those questions that are missing at a later time once they're engaged with you, right? So core things are always make sure that, you know, as much as possible you get right as their name, obviously, because sometimes it does come incorrectly across from their resume, some quirky PDF challenges or table formatting issues, etc. when data parsing happens. Contact details, so email, cell number, where they are looking to be placed. So which region of the country, if you've got a country spread recruiting staffing firm, and then what specialities they have. And that is obviously self-assessed. So you do have to balance that out. And the final thing is their work rights, obviously, if they've got current work rights, particularly for our market. Here, we get a lot of international travelers who may have limited work rights. We can't look for a long term assignment. I actually researched how easy it is to become a resident of Australia at one point. I'm not going to say what year it was, but it was fairly recent. <laughs> okay. All right. I might do it again. If you need a reference, let me know. Okay. You might need one after November or December when they get counted. Yeah, November 5th or 4th, <laughs> yeah. I might be calling you. We said we weren't going to talk about this, right? So let's keep it going. Well, we're not. We're, I'm just telling you, I might need a reference. <laughs> okay. You might right. be hiring me at RecMe. <laughs> okay. I'd be a great resource. All right. We'll have an offline combo about that, Rob. No worries. <laughs> anyway, is a lot of like the workflow stuff kind of like enabling the sales? It's so interesting, right? Like, I find that you really need to teach a recruiter, any salesperson, marketing skills too, right? Like they have to be invested. Is any of your training kind of geared towards that about enabling those people who maybe just like hunted off the job boards, how to get them better? We definitely help them with additional products and services that they might have attached to their core platform. So we do a lot of work with Bullhorn, for example. So there are a lot of marketplace partners that Bullhorn engage with to make a recruiter's life more seamless. Having the core right is really our focus to work out what their systems and processes look at. And then supplementary to that, we do some extra tools, tricks, and tips. Here's another question for you. What is the number one workflow or what is the workflow that you basically have to create for everyone? If it's like add a note at this point or use this note type, like when you go in, like what do you know is table stakes you're going to have to do for basically every customer you engage with? <laughs> yeah, great question. When we do open up the box, the database, that core reason for being, which is often neglected like a overgrown backyard, right? So they often don't have that workflow in there. They're often not attaching candidates to jobs. They're not utilizing that workflow system within the jobs. They're just putting notes against the candidate record in a notes field. They're sometimes not recording activities so that there's sort of no way to build a picture of how my patch is tracking. 
it's really important for the individual. So when I turn up to switch on my laptop every day, I want to see what I'm doing. What am I focused on today? Where I'm up to? I need to step on the gas a little bit more to achieve my goals. And without some core pillars in there to put a tick against when you're going from putting a job in the system right through placement, it's really hard to find that information out and really hard to give that self-score and you know, your team leader, your manager, or as a CEO, you want to have a good idea how that business is flowing, where the pipeline's up to. So I guess the core workflow items that we always have to help customers with are really simple ones and sometimes a little bit embarrassing to tell people this, but it's just because they don't have that methodology in place and they've just organically grown. So fundamental basics. Submissions. Live in the submission list if you live in Bullhorn. Don't leave that page. You know, make sure you work that submission list like it's your best friend and update each candidate as they progress through. From a long list perspective, they might have come from a web response, transfer them to a long list if they're relevant, shortlist them, and then you might be starting to get some interaction with them. If you're an account manager, you're living in there as well, especially for your jobs, right? Especially if you have a nice filtering system. So basically, people aren't using the ETS. And we could say this is bullhorn at this core because you have the submission workflow, which is really nice. And then you have the placement record. So if you go in and you don't have any internal submissions or shortlist candidates and you got a job 10 days ago, you got to do something because you're not living up to your agreement with, unless it's an executive search, you're not living up to your agreement with your customer who you're trying to service. So Yeah. And we all know time is a killer of ordeals and speed to getting that job closed is your best friend. The quicker you can, the more speed, the more velocity that you have in your recruitment life, the easier it is for you to make some happy people out there, happy candidates, happy clients, and you know, happy you with your bank balance, right? So having some cool milestones in there, really, really powerful just to keep the individual on track and just make it easier because you've got a really clear picture of where things are up to. And plus then, and I love this part, Rob, the system can help you as well. So if you've got the right triggers in place, the right automations with tools in the background, if I've not done something, if I've forgotten, and it's two days or three days, there's zero activity against the job I've just added to the system, you can have the system remind you, give you a bit of a, a slap on the back of the head and say, hey, Andrew, what the hell are you doing with this job? Put a task in there or flag something so it comes up in your face and you just go, oh, okay, I should have started working on that job. Or if it might be that you've sent some CVs across and you haven't had a response for more than 24 hours, the system again can be programmed to, again, do that reminder. So helping recruiters help themselves is something that we help them with as well. So making their life easier because, you know, it's a fact, recruiters aren't great with data entry, administration. They're salespeople. <laughs> they can speak, they love talking and they love engaging and that's what they should be hired to do, not to do the data entry stuff and to remember to do stuff. And if you can have a platform that's got a good system basis and good workflow in there, it just makes everyone's job easier. Yeah, I can attest to being a terrible data entry person. So. <laughs> I like getting email reminders from HubSpot being like, Rob, this deal has no notes. Go fix that. I used to pitch that too. I'd be like, you need this. It's super important so that quality data gets in the system. So it sounds like you've been doing this for a while, but you were driving home a lot of the stuff that marketing automation tools like Sense and Hairfish really enable. How long have you been doing that, by the way? When was Recommend founded? We're three and a half years old. So data is the love of my life, apart from my beautiful wife and family, and making sure people have access to that. Better say that. That's recorded now, Rob, isn't it? I'll make sure I send it to her now. Okay, good. Making sure people have accessible data is the second most important thing. So it's great to have all the information in the system, but if you can't analyze and understand that data. So we work with you know a bunch of different tools. You know, Cube19 is another tool that I love, and that just brings data to life and allows the individual just to really see where things are up to. Plus also, slice and dice is all the information to get a really good 
customer-centric picture as well. How can I help my customers more? Yeah, and I think another thing I say is like, if you have good data in your system, you can be more you know, consultative, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't want to be the sales business development person or account manager that knows that there's always a surge traditionally at this customer in September? So you could go, hey, should we start hiring for September? And they probably know, but they don't think about it as like something that they need to be proactive with. They're just like, oh, it's about like Amazon. It's about to be Christmas. Like probably need to hire, start hiring. Start thinking about that in October. Yeah, absolutely. But being able to go to them in September and be like, hey, from our data, we know, and we had some issues last year or we had issues traditionally. Like if you're working with a new vendor, you just can provide so much value from a sales and biz dev perspective if you have good data. But if you don't, you just kind of look like the reactive person who is kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. Yeah, and that all comes back down to what we were just talking about, Rob, in terms of just managing that workflow really nicely. And six or seven drop points of data is all you need to have that massive wealth of information that you can proactively go out to your customer and say, hey, we know it's coming up to your peak hiring time. Can we start doing some proactive work with you? Can we do some workshops to see exactly what people you're looking for this season? All that kind of stuff, that value adds. So you hopefully start to know your customers better than they might know themselves. And then you can truly add some value there. This is all the stuff I used to say during meetings. Future state of staffing. What were you thinking for 2021 pre-COVID? What are you thinking now? And then you guys are out of lockdown, aren't you? Well, parts of Australia are. I'll talk to you about that in a second. Some interesting developments overnight for one of our territories. So yeah, pre-COVID, we had all these plans of going out to the corporate space to help them. So moving out of the staffing industry to do... Corp HR? Yeah, Corp HR. So really huge opportunity there to help people. with a lot of help needed in that sector. I think it's a fantastic sector and you know we'll have a lot more impact than what we can achieve just within the staffing realm. But yeah, so that was pre-COVID. Current COVID period is we're in, I guess, a, an economic lockdown, let alone physical lockdown for some of my sisters and brothers around Australia. But we're hopefully you know, seeing a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel. So, you know, it's recent staffing stats that I've seen. One in three recruiters have lost their jobs. So you look to your left, look to your right. One of those two buddies that you sat next to is not there. Probably a little bit of more time to go on that. The encouraging thing though, Rob, is a number of customers are looking at that period of less craziness as a period to sharpen the axe and get to hone their skills, get to hone their systems and to you know make sure that they've got the right people on the bus. Absolutely. It's a good reflective period to sharpen up before this surge. It's going to be a huge surge mid-2021, end of 2021 is my prediction. You won't be able to find people for love nor money. So perfect time to get rid of bad habits, get some new tech in place to help you. And don't forget the candidate is king or candidate is queen, I like to say, because queens are more powerful than kings. And the candidate is there to be served. At a time like this where there's a lot more applicants coming through, it's a temptation to neglect some of those, but the ones that you look after now will remember you in times that you're struggling to find people. So don't fall into that trap is my number one tip to my customers. I like it. We're, depending on the numbers, I think we're closer to like 50 million unemployed in the US. So it'll be a buyer's market from a company perspective. But I think, like you said, ideally by end of 2021, we'll be begging for good quality talent again. It might be an 18-month cycle, but we'll get there. What's going on in Australia? Yeah, so back to that lockdown question, where I am in New South Wales, Sydney, there's a few little hot spots growing apparently with the whole COVID thing, but majority we're out of lockdown, pubs, cafes, clubs, all that kind of stuff. What is the first place you went when you got out of lockdown? Certainly up to my local barista for a nice long black. What is a long black, just for my listeners? I think it's Americano. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, flat white, long black. We don't really order coffee that way. We're like, can I have a coffee? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I have a nitro? Can I have a cold brew? Like long black, flat white, right? There's a couple other ones. I'll send you a poster for the lingo when you arrive in Sydney towards the end of the year, Rob. Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> They're not going to let me in anyway. They're like, you're from the US. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> that's right. Maybe not. 
Overnight, I just heard the news that our largest area in Australia, the Northern Territory, announced overnight that they're planning on keeping people in lockdown till 2021. So no people coming in to the Northern Territory. Is that super populated? It's not. It sounds worse than it is. It's one of our most sparse. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're a small population and you can keep it pretty clean, probably more important to keep people out than worry about your citizens getting sick if they're not coming in contact, right? That makes sense. A lot of Indigenous Australians there that are more susceptible to, I guess, non 40,000 year old diseases, right? So it makes sense. There's a big Aboriginal area? Yeah, huge, massive, beautiful part of the world. Very cool. This is completely unrelated, but there's a bunch of sheep that need to get sheared before they start getting worms or something, I read. Are you familiar with that or no? No, I'm not in across Australia. that story. I have to look that up. It was super interesting. I don't recall the whole story. So normally there's a migration of New Zealand, or maybe it's in New Zealand and Australians can't go to New Zealand. This is true. You're two sister countries, right? I think it's New Zealand who has the sheep. And a lot of Australians go across. Fun fact about New Zealand, it used to be part of Australia. Well, they're both great. You guys have a very symbiotic relationship. Beautiful country. Being out there, you're like way away from everything else. <laughs> Got to make sure our mates are close because there's nobody else around us, right? So. Yeah. Either way, there's like, there's sheep. I mean, there's sheep in New Zealand that usually Australians go across the Tasman Street. That would make sense. To shear. And because of lockdown, these sheep are like in danger of losing their coat or once their hair gets too long, they're more susceptible to like certain, Pets. like I guess, bugs. Thought it was interesting, right? Like the global economy, it's like just kind of is everywhere. It's going to affect everyone. Oh, absolutely. We're working with a customer at the moment who hire a lot of temporary pickers for the farm works. Massive issues because Queensland's second largest area in Australia is in lockdown. No people coming in, no people going out without permits. Is that Melbourne, the southern part? Uh, it's north, just above New South Wales. But they do a lot of growing there and they just can't get laborers to pick the fruit off the trees. So it's all going to waste. Compounded food shortages and things like that. So it won't just be the toilet paper that's vacant from the shelves. <laughs> It'll be the fruit. Did you guys have that too? Was that you guys as well? Or yeah. is that just us? I think it was okay. global. <laughs> My stockpile's in that cupboard there. So you can't see it, right? Got it. There's like a podcast that I follow that's on the stock market. And they were like, every month they tracked like what the product was that sold out. Like at one point, flour for baking was in a shortage. Was that like the same for you guys? Yeah. You couldn't buy yeast or flour or you know, any sort of baking goods because Everyone's home making sourdough, right? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, like we have our starter. My wife made sourdough focaccia last week. It was amazing. Anyone listening, we're not that different across the globe. Can it really be any further from Fort Lauderdale? If you cut us, we will bleed. Yeah, and we'll all break bread. We want toilet paper. That's it. That's it. Well, if you get short, Rob, you can just send me a memo and I'll hook you up. I'm going to send you some posts. Yeah, that's it. Maybe I'll use this new thing called an email. What's that thing? Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Anything you want to share real quick? Absolutely. Just do a stock take, guys. If you haven't done this in a while, do a customer journey map. See where your touch points are with your candidates and client base. It's a really good opportunity now to see what you want to do at those different points. We can automate that stuff so your team doesn't have to do it. Get the system to do the heavy lifting. So you make a plan there and that's what we see most lacking is that plan, which is fine because a lot of people don't think that way. So make that plan yeah. and see how that might interact with the systems. Got it. You might get an onslaught of American people who may not have business opportunities for you, but if people want to reach you, where do they get you at? Yeah, you can email me at andrew andrewrecmate.com.au and recmate.com.au for the URL. You can find me there. Got it. He'll be able to point you to people who, if, if you need actual work beyond consultation, that can help you. Because I don't think you guys operate outside of Australia, do you? We're doing work with one US company at the moment. Oh, okay. Master plan is to grow. Okay, good. Well, then I'm glad we can, we can promote this because I think it's super important. Absolutely. Good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Great conversation. Guys, check out anything RecMate's doing. If you guys are unsure of your processes and workflows, this is the gentleman to go see. He started three years ago, but he's been doing it for a long time. And again, thank you so much for your time, Andrew. Appreciate it, Rob. Have a good one. Bye. After this short break, stay tuned for our next segment of Ask Lauren.
Checker is the leading background check technology company. Its People Trust platform helps companies like yours modernize their background check process with innovative technology and products designed to make hiring safer, more efficient, and more inclusive. With Checker, you can establish trust between candidates and employers and ultimately connect more people with work. Visit Checker.com to learn more. All right. Welcome back, guys. We have our next segment of Ask Lauren, where we have Mrs. Lauren Jones of Leap Consulting Solutions answering questions that you guys submit to her. Lauren, hi. And what do you got for us today? Okay. Well, the most frequently asked questions over the course of really kind of the last four weeks has been, where do I start? That is probably the hardest part of whether you're starting an exercise program or diet or whatever. It's, you know, how do I start? And my simple answer is start with the end in mind, right? So how do you build a house? You start with some ideas on paper, then you actually get an architect involved and we start putting formal plans together. Then you put it to the city and make sure that it's all approved. And those are sort of your functional, operational, and IT people that you're working with to make sure it's all scalable. That I really look at it like building a house. If you start with the end in mind, what the end vision is, and work your way backwards, and you really have a good SI partner, that's key too, because you need the realtor that's going to go through, you know, or the contractor that's going to go through the punch list, walk you through the house before they hand you the keys. And that's the way that I look at either a really good consultant like myself, or a really great SI partner is going to walk you through building the vision, actually building the house, and then ensuring that you're ready, able, everything's checked off. You were going to say ready, willing, and able. I heard you. Ready, willing, and able. That's exactly right. By the way, I think the guest, John, who's going to be on this episode, says that at some point, or I say that in the interview just now. I don't remember. I was just listening to it, but it's really funny. We got to keep using it. Yeah. And just make sure, you know, your end users, your customers are ready, willing, and able to take the keys and carry it forward. Like the word of the day. I'm going to scream like Huey's Playhouse. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. You said the word of the day. Wait. So I just want to clarify something. Good leaders listen to the experts. Just want to be clear there. Right. Good leaders listen to the expert and good leaders are not afraid to ask for help. I work with a lot of CEOs now and I'll tell you what, the ones that just have no shame in their game are like, I have no idea how to get this started or what to do. So I'm going to reach out to somebody that knows. That's exactly what you want is somebody that's going to reach out when they're just not really sure how to get started. And it doesn't have to be some overly robust, really expensive SOW. It can be something as simple as just helping you put the plan together. So don't overthink it. Ask for help and get a little guidance. All right, guys, you heard it. Start with the end in mind. Hire an expert to help you if you don't know what the hell you're doing, which it's okay if you don't. That's why you have smart people around you. Lauren, thank you so much. What ride are you on right now, by the way? What Peloton ride number are you on currently? I am on the ride where my left hip went out. And oh, no. I have been off for five days now because, you know, I've had bilateral hip surgery. Uh, yes, because I am old listeners. <laughs> we talk about your bilateral hip surgery every episode. We talk about Peloton. I know, I way. swear. I know. So I've had both my hips done. So yeah, I crushed my left hip on Saturday and I've been a little out this week. Got it. Well, rest is part of the workout, by the way, like having a rest period. The next ride I'm going to do is I haven't done the Prince ride yet. Oh, I did that live. It was awesome. I must do the Prince ride. I haven't, I've done the Britney ride. I've done the Ellie Goulding ride. I've done all of those, but the Prince ride is on my list. You can cut out all my hip shit. (laughs) I had a great time with Emma and Miss Allie Love. Yeah, so 
The next one I'm going to do is the Prince Ride because I missed the live one. I'm going to do this one and then I see something else with good music and because I always look at the music list before I sign in. I just did the Soka Ride. I'm a big Dua Lipa fan right now. Anybody that's got Dua Lipa on their list, I'm like, I'm going there. Got it. Check out the Soka Ride that Ali Love did if you want to listen to some good island music. Have you ever listened to Soka before? It's obviously like the island flavor. It's pretty fun. I've also been to Carnival before in Trinidad, so it brings me back to better times. So, all right. Well, we just extended this a little personal chit-chat. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you don't have a workout plan, that's probably something you should also do and plan it out because it's good for your brain. Peloton just reduced their prices. Yeah, I was so mad that I just bought the Peloton. I've been doing all those workouts and I want that swivel screen. I would have paid the same amount and got the swivel screen. So anyway, thank you One Peloton for making me have buyer's remorse and envy all at the same time. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Lauren, thank you as always. And I will see you soon. Bye. Bye.